You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, thanks for joining us. And we start with a dramatic police incident in New Westminster unfolding in front of stunned onlookers this afternoon. A carjacking involving a taxi and police chase, much of it caught on video. Our Aaron MacArthur is live in New West with more on what happened today. Aaron. Yeah, so it'd be hard to imagine the terror people must have felt as they watched this taxi careen down the roadway, slamming into parked cars and very nearly hitting people. The New West police say this was a carjacking. The driver stole the taxi and led police through the city. The, the cab eventually doubled back along 6th Street and was eventually boxed in by other cruisers. The driver was taken into custody and then sent to hospital with what police say are minor injuries. We spoke to several witnesses this afternoon. You know, hours later, they were still stunned by what they saw. Several people say the car came with inches of them as it passed by. Police say there were no major injuries reported. It doesn't appear if, as if any pedestrians were struck was uh, clearly having some sort of issue or mental break. It was on purpose. He was smashing into vehicles to get away, to escape. There was one police vehicle at that time trailing him, and uh, he drove down towards uh, uh, the pier section of New West there. Uh, I was just shocked to see vehicular violence like that. It was just not something you regularly see. And then about five minutes later, he came back up the road and he had about 10 police cars trailing him this time, and the police did an exceptional job. This happened in one of the busiest areas of our city, so there's gonna be a number of situations that we aren't even aware of yet. We need those people to call in and give us that information so we can piece this whole thing together. There's going to be people that were almost struck. There's going to be people that uh, had to move out of the way. Maybe they did get hit by this person, and we'd love to hear from them if they haven't already contacted our investigators. Incredible. All right, Aaron, what do we know about the condition of the taxi driver who was carjacked? Yeah, we just spoke to Royal City Taxi. The company says its driver was pulled out of the cab, out of his cab through the window and then dragged a short distance as the suspect fled. Uh, cuts and bruises taken to hospital, but x-rays at this point show no major damage. We are getting an interview with the cab company, so we'll have more on that as the night goes on. Sophie? All right, thanks for that. Aaron MacArthur live in New Westminster. Tragedy unfolded on the streets of Oak Bay this morning when a municipal worker was killed on the job by a speeding driver. As Kylie Stanton reports, a family and community are now grappling with the sudden loss. It took a tree to bring this vehicle to a stop, leaving a path of destruction in its wake. Just after uh, 8 a.m. this morning, a black SUV driven by a 66-year-old female resident of Victoria uh, came around the corner at a high rate of speed and struck the male. Uh, the male is deceased as a result of the accident. The 52-year-old Oak Bay Municipal employee who had only been on the job less than a year was married with young children. He was working in a construction zone inspecting a manhole cover in the park when the driver veered off the road in the direction of the crew, striking the man. They were screaming blue murder for, the, for help uh, from the fire department or whoever to um, to get to the person. Despite efforts by first responders, the worker died on scene. 
The driver was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Her actions and the cause of the crash remain under investigation. And while a medical emergency or intoxication have not yet been ruled out, police say speed was almost certainly a factor. We have had some reports of erratic uh, driving prior to the accident scene in that area, so I would ask that any individuals who have either witnessed that driving or may have a video of some of that driving behaviour or of the accident itself, uh, if they could please uh, contact police. The incident has left this usually quiet neighbourhood shaken. In a tweet, the District of Oak Bay writes, Our heartfelt thoughts go out to his family, friends and colleagues. This tremendous loss will be felt throughout the community. It's not a good thing. I mean, you come to work expecting to be safe and things happen. Several blocks of Monterey Avenue remained closed to traffic for hours. Depending on the outcome of the investigation, the driver may face criminal charges. As the family now comes to terms with what's been lost. It's disturbing, it's frustrating, uh, and it's upsetting to, I'm sure, all members of the community. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Oak Bay. Vancouver police are looking for witnesses to an alleged sexual assault that happened at English Bay. Police say it happened Sunday evening at around 7.30. A woman was sunbathing on the busy beach when a man claiming to be a massage therapist started touching her and then sexually assaulted her. The victim called 911 and the suspect was arrested but has not yet been charged. Investigators believe the man may have approached other beachgoers as well. The suspect described as being in his 30s with a medium to heavy build and short dark hair. He was wearing a black hat, black sunglasses, a white and blue striped shirt and beige cargo shorts at the time of the alleged incident. Coquilla, Marcy and P are investigating an attempted child abduction and they hope you can help. Police say it happened around 3.20 Tuesday afternoon in the area of Robson and Purcell Drives. A 10-year-old girl was walking home from Panorama Heights Elementary when she says she was approached by two women who asked her to get into their vehicle for treats. The girl did the right thing and ran to a nearby city bylaw officer for help. The suspects are described as middle-aged, one with ginger-colored hair. RCMP are seeking additional witnesses and video. Well, after several very stressful days, there is some relief tonight for residents of Fort St. John. The evacuation alert for the city of more than 20,000 people has been lifted. But as Kamal Kuramali reports, several thousand people from rural and First Nations communities are still out of their homes due to the huge and out of control Stoddard Creek wildfire. Hey, that pile's on fire there, look. Wildfire tearing through trees, turning dense forests into blackened wastelands near Fort St. John. This video taken by Tyson Billings while fleeing his home. They basically said that the fire would be through our house and through our property within eight hours time. The father of a newborn and a toddler unsure whether he'll have a home to come back to, one of many displaced residents. The more than 300 members of the Doig River First Nation remain under evacuation order. The most concerning thing for us is the elderly and uh, the smoke inhalation and, and uh, asthmatics and just people with uh, medical issues. So we made sure we got them out first. A few on the reserve refusing to leave, but for the 20,000 residents of Fort St. John, the evacuation alert has been rescinded. After favorable winds pushed the wildfire north away from the city. Now with the wind shift, 
our, our higher priority and our concerns are more on the north flank and the northwest flank of the Stodart Creek wildfire. So in the opposite direction of the city of Port St. John. There are currently four wildfires of note burning across the province. The Donnie Creek wildfire, the largest at more than 40,000 hectares in size. But it's the Stoddard and Red Creek fires causing the biggest threat to Fort St. John and the surrounding region. Some questioning whether the evacuation alert should have been rescinded, given the thick clouds of smoke still hanging over the city. It's making it really hard for a lot of people to come to school because a lot of people walk here or walk home. And it's made it super hot in classrooms because we don't even have AC, but now it's just even worse. But BC Wildfire Service says the winds continue to be favorable, hopefully giving crews a chance to get these fires under control. Kamal Karamali, Global News. All right, senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a closer look at the forecast for the Peace region over the next few days. Christy? Chris, in the short term, we're looking at still a good three days at least of hot, dry weather. There's one good news with all that smoke, say, in the Fort St. John area, temperatures are not going to be as hot as what they could be. So peaking at about 26 degrees into the weekend where it could have been closer to 29, 30 degrees. Now, when we look at the long range, we're going to see a bit of a dip, but it warms up once again with drier weather in the long range. But it's this dip that's going to bring cooler weather towards the end of the long weekend and the potential for some moisture. How much moisture still yet to be determined, still days away, but at least some good news there. But the BC Wildfire Service says as this dip shifts in, there is the potential for a shift in the winds for the winds potentially pushing the fire closer to the Fort St. John area. Back to you. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll hope for the best there, and we'll check in later. Thanks, Christy. Vancouver fire crews are looking into the cause of a backyard fire in Kitsilano. Our Global One chopper captured this scene around 8.30 this morning. It broke out in the backyard of a home near Bayswater and West 5th Avenue. Fire crews say the blaze started in a garden shed before spreading to a neighboring property and a large tree. Luckily, no one was injured. It's been a disturbing week in Surrey Healthcare with emergency room doctors at the only hospital raising the alarm about the dismal state of their ER. The dramatic allegations were delivered via an open letter and an anonymous website. And as Janet Brown reports, BC Health Minister Adrian Dix is now promising changes. Another patient headed for Surrey Memorial Hospital ER, where staff have launched a website called Hospital in Crisis, pointing out severe ER congestion, care delay for new patients, among many other concerns. They're in crisis right now, and that is, that is extremely concerning for the residents of Surrey. Earlier this week, ER doctor's scathing letter was publicly released saying patients are suffering and in some cases dying as a result of steadily worsening problems. They said it was necessary to speak out even though they feared repercussions. The health minister asked if there is a gag order in place on health care professionals. No. Untrue. No, they're not. And we're hearing from them, obviously, and that's, uh, that's part of the debate. Our health care workers are doing extraordinary things. Surrey's mayor is concerned with the situation at the hospital. The docs are concerned about their patients. They're concerned about Surrey residents, and I want them to feel that they can speak up for their patients. They need to. That's their obligation. That is echoed by a Surrey MLA. If they are being gagged and not able to properly communicate to the public, that is completely unacceptable, and this minister needs to step in, do the right thing, lift those gag orders if that's the case, and allow these doctors to communicate with the public. 
Dick's telling a Surrey Board of Trade event, changes are being made at Surrey Memorial to get patients out of the ER faster. Having care on the wards is really important, so that patient flow is really important, and it's a challenge in Surrey because if you don't have that space on the ward at that moment, that person then stays in the emergency room. Surrey Memorial's emergency ward is the busiest in the province, and the health minister says he hopes congestions will soon be eased when a second hospital in Cloverdale opens in 2017. Janet Brown, Global News. Well, the issue of open drug use has prompted a number of B.C. municipalities to look at local bylaws to limit where it can happen. Now the Premier is offering to work with local governments to find a province-wide solution. But as Richard Zussman reports, it's not clear how or when anything concrete will happen. It's a concern and crisis being dealt with in communities across B.C., open drug use in public spaces. To publicly use in a place like this especially, is to me, it's very, very unacceptable. Nanaimo, the latest municipality to look at its options around regulating and restricting public drug use locations. Council passing a motion earlier this week to explore what the city can do after hearing concerns from residents over the inability to stop drug use in public. There is great concern expressed by parents in particular, uh, let alone tourist business operators, uh, who are seeing open drug use on the streets, uh, every place someone can sit down, every nook and cranny. The decriminalization of drugs, including fentanyl, has made enforcement challenging. Drug use was banned on school grounds, but parks not included. Premier David Eby now acknowledging this patchwork of municipal bylaws is not effective. The shared goal that all of us have, the mayors, the provincial government, uh, is to uh, ensure our communities are safe and comfortable and welcoming for everybody. Currently, municipalities have to work directly with the local health authority before putting any restrictions on drug use in parks. One concern is that homeless individuals will have nowhere else to use if they're driven out of spaces like this. All it's going to do is push people further out of the public eye. And, and as Councillor Manley said, that's that's when they die. Um, and our, our numbers are already untenable. BC United leader Kevin Falcon says the province has been slow to respond to concerns from local politicians. We've been very clear that, my God, at minimum, we have to protect our parks, playgrounds and beaches, especially as our kids are coming out of school in the next few weeks and going to be filling our parks, playgrounds and beaches. The province will be getting feedback from municipalities on what a provincial restriction could look like, but it's unclear how quickly the Premier and his government is willing to move on the concerns. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. The scramble to make alternate travel arrangements. With a WestJet pilot strike looming, passengers find booking a flight on a different airline is a lot more expensive than they expected. That's coming up next on the News Hour. I started comedy a little bit more than a decade ago as a dare to myself. A stellar lineup for the Asian comedy takeover with humor for everyone later on the News Hour. Plus. Oh, I got this little thing. So he started playing that. One of the most recognizable riffs in rock and roll and the BC music producer who brought it to life. Coming up later. Right now, though, if you have a ticket for a WestJet flight this long weekend, it's understandable that you'd be a little bit nervous right now. No doubt. Pilots are set to go on strike Friday if a contract can't be reached. And as Krista Dow reports, travelers looking for a plan B are being left frustrated. 
These are possibly some of the last few WestJet planes in transit. As a Friday morning strike looms on the horizon. And for the many departing on a WestJet flight today, they're leaving with extra baggage. This morning I was like panicking, trying to figure out what to do in case my return flight gets cancelled. Many travel plans potentially grounded as WestJet and the pilots union unable to reach a deal. And it's impacting travelers like Joe Gilchrist currently in Mexico and stressing over ways to get home. I couldn't believe that Air Canada was charging like $1,500 for a, for a one-way ticket when our flight was only $600 return. Prices on other airlines have skyrocketed in recent days. A Vancouver flight bound for Edmonton Friday shows $345. Next week, prices are about seven times cheaper. Same for Toronto as tickets go for about $400 this Friday. Next week, it's three times cheaper. I feel like it definitely is price gouging. But experts say it's supply and demand, and we are heading into a long weekend. We have a free market. The airlines can charge as much as passengers are willing to pay. If that means a $2,000 ticket, it is a $2,000 ticket. Lukacs, though, says WestJet has an obligation to pay passengers for tickets on other airlines if their flight gets cancelled. If labor action happens, then guest travel will be disrupted. On Friday alone, there are 540 flights with WestJet. And on Saturday, there's 457. So this is a, this, if it does happen, could cause just absolute domino effect pandemonium for flights all around the world. A potential turbulent May long weekend for thousands as both sides remain far away in talks. Krista Dow, Global News. A warning now to parents and caregivers shopping for a child car seat online. Child safety advocates say purchasing, uh, purchasing a car seat from a third-party online seller can be risky. That's because they often don't meet Canada's strict safety standards. With more on what parents should know before they buy, let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. And Thanks, Sophie. Although ads on social media platforms may seem enticing, child car seat safety technicians recommend parents only deal with reputable and trusted retailers. Failing to do so could, meet, could mean you end up with an unsafe product. If it doesn't meet our motor vehicle safety standards, we can't guarantee you that it will protect a child in a crash. Holly Choi purchased his child car seat from an online marketplace third-party vendor. As a parent and vice president of the Child Passenger Safety Association of Canada, she wanted to see for herself if what was being advertised online stood up to Canada's strict safety standards. Turns out this car seat was full of red flags. There's an absolute absence of the national safety mark, which is that maple leaf sticker. That should be on all Canadian car seats. There was a sticker which indicated the seat met European safety standards, but Holly says she's skeptical. Which may or may not be true, but it's not legal for use in Canada. Child car seats like this one are being advertised across a variety of popular social media platforms from third-party vendors, often at attractive prices, and making their way into Canada. And parents, Holly says, often have no way of knowing if the car seat they're purchasing is real or counterfeit. It's not just one website that's problematic, there's multiple. And over the last decade, I would say, specifically, it's increased so much. 
Stacy Costuros is a child passenger safety technician with the Child Passenger Safety Association of Canada and says the association would like to see Health Canada and Transport Canada, the country's car seat regulators, do a better job at cracking down on third-party sellers who sell illegal child car seats. Transport Canada and Health Canada need to stop these retailers from being able to ship them into Canada at all. So what should parents be looking for? First and foremost, shop with a reputable retailer and make sure the car seat has this maple leaf sticker showing that it's certified for use in Canada. And if you don't see the sticker? Then it is not certified for use in Canada and it would be illegal to use that seat here in Canada and potentially dangerous for your child if it was a counterfeit seat. Also, make sure the car seat comes with an instruction manual written in both English and French. And Stacy says parents should know the safest seat for a child is not necessarily the most expensive. The safest seat is the seat that fits the child, fits the vehicle, fits their budget, and the most important is the seat that they're going to use correctly every single car ride. And Transport Canada told us Health Canada uses several compliance and enforcement tools and provides information to help Canadian consumers make informed decisions, which can be found on their websites. Also, parents can reach out to a certified safety technician for more information. The Child Passenger Safety Association of Canada will be holding some public clinics this summer, and more information can be found on its website, CPSAC. Org. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, good stuff. Thanks, Anne. Just ahead, a hockey icon tells a different kind of concussion story. He came from behind me. I didn't see it coming. Trevor Linden stars in a new PSA with a dramatic twist you won't see coming. And video of a car lot vandal who caused hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage. Traffic is steady over here at the Patello Bridge this evening with just a bit of leftover volume northbound on King George Boulevard from Scott Road. Today's Lotto 649 gold ball jackpot is $26 million plus a classic $5 million jackpot, two jackpots on every draw. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. A new concussion awareness PSA has a surprising and very effective twist. It features Canucks legend Trevor Linden recounting the terrible impact of a blow to the head. Only the message isn't about hockey, it's about domestic violence. Catherine Urquhart spoke to Linden about being part of a devastatingly impactful message. I don't remember the hit. I remember everything leading up to it, but nothing after. Canucks legend Trevor Linden delivers a powerful new public service announcement. He came from behind me. I didn't see it coming. I was hit in the side of the head. It's a story with an alarming reveal. But this isn't my story. It's mine. YWCA Metro Vancouver's PSA is designed to promote a conversation about intimate partner violence and concussions. I think that we wanted to use a male who is, you know, pretty famous locally and, and nationally to, to use him as a tool for our story. Obviously, intimate partner violence is, is wrong, uh, full stop. Um, you know, it's something that we need to bring to the forefront and, and 
make some meaningful change. Research shows that concussions from intimate partner violence are often undiagnosed. Women not even aware they have symptoms, which can include headaches, dizziness, and memory problems. Quite often, women who've experienced intimate partner violence will suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder or depression or anxiety. These are all things that can interact with a brain injury. Linden pointed out that NHL players have easy access to doctors to diagnose and treat concussions. He says he was happy to do the PSA, noting he's passionate about women's rights. I was basically saying for every NHL player that gets one, about 7,000 Canadian women will experience the same thing. Those are based on estimates. Perhaps most surprising, the staggering number of those concussions. It's a thought starter for parents to have with their with their teenage boys uh, or with their teenage girls about, you know, this is something to be aware of and this is not something that is to be tolerated in any way. A strong message from one of BC's all-time favourite athletes, one it's hoped will resonate. I remember being confused. My ears were ringing. It's hard to talk about. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, police have released video of a woman accused of causing hundreds of thousands of dollars damage at a pair of Coquitlam car dealerships. The footage shows the woman keying vehicles at the Journey dealerships on Dominion Avenue and Lougheed Highway. RCMP say it happened three times between January and April. More than 400 vehicles were targeted, causing more than $500,000 damage. Police are looking for a woman between 40 and 50 years old with shoulder-length hair. She was believed to be driving a 2008 to 2013 Ford Escape. Just ahead, more disturbing testimony at the Ibrahim Ali trial. How the forensic pathologist defends his conclusion about how the young teenager was killed. Good evening. Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel, but as you can see, southbound traffic just a little bit congested on the approach from Steveston Highway. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services. Choose the best. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Massey Tunnel. For three days, the Crown presented forensic evidence about the victim's injuries in the first-degree trial of Ibrahim Ali. And today, it was the defense's turn. Lawyers cross-examined pathologist Dr. Jason Moran. And the judge made a stunning announcement to the jury about just how long the trial will run. Rumina Dea has the details and a warning once again. They are disturbing. Defense counsel questioning Dr. Jason Moran about his finding that the teen's cause of death was strangulation. Ben Linsky arguing that forensic pathology is not an exact science because you can't kill someone to conduct a controlled experiment on strangulation. Dr. Moran has told the jury there were no injuries to the girl's neck, no finger marks, no damage to the trachea, no lethal sign of injury. Defense. I'm going to suggest you're saying the most likely cause was strangulation because there's no evidence of anything else. Fair? Witness. No, I'm saying the findings are suspicious and consistent with strangulation, but again, I wasn't there. I didn't witness the event happening. In the context of having those findings and in the context of no other cause of death being identified, strangulation would be the most likely cause of death. 
The major finding attributable to strangulation were the tiny red dots found in the face and eyes of the teen, said Dr. Morn. He testified, while petechia is seen in approximately 90-plus percentage of strangulation cases, petechia on the face is not a marker of someone dying. Dr. Morin did swab the teen's neck for third-party DNA. The result, we haven't heard yet. Crown Counsel is trying to prove the accused, Ibrahim Ali, strangled the teenager to death in the course of sexually assaulting her. Ali's semen found inside the teen's body, says Crown. Ali has told the jury he did not kill the girl. Ali has pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder. Justice Bernard ending the court day with unexpected news for the jury, telling them the three-month-long trial, which was supposed to end by June 30th, is not expected to conclude by that date. It's unlikely that the trial will finish before the fall. How that will affect the proceedings, we don't know. Romina Dea, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, WorkSafe BC is urging employers to protect their workers from heat-related illnesses as temperatures continue to stay high. Last year, WorkSafe accepted 81 claims related to heat injuries. Nearly a third of those were from indoor workers. The company is advising employers to speak with their workers on hazards related to heat and sun exposure. Employers should also monitor heat conditions so workers have enough breaks to cool off. Physically demanding tasks should be done in the cooler parts of the day. WorkSafe warns heat stress or illness can lead to serious injuries and even death. Still ahead, the guitar lick that any rock fan will recognize. How Vancouver producer Bruce Fairbairn left ACDC fans thunderstruck later. We took a trip to Paris and we left the baby in Canada. Like with people, don't worry, don't worry. Also tonight, a celebration of humor that shows comedy crosses all cultures. That's coming up. All your local news. All your breaking news. All the news you need. Get it at 6. Global News Hour at 6. Well, we have had a lot of sunshine lately, and that is causing some significant mm -hmm. problems around the province. Mm -hmm. Today is day 11, actually, of this weather that we've had, and uh, we still have a good three days before we start to see a more significant change towards the end of the weekend. We have a severe thunderstorm warning in place right now in the area just near Creston. This is Highway 3 making its way along. You can see a number of thunderstorms there. They are slowly tracking towards the south, although there's one that is quite stationary. Heads up, you can expect downpours of rain, uh, gusty well as, of course, lightning head indoors and when thunder roars is what we recommend. And we've had a strong northerly flow across the region, and that has pulled in smoke from all of the fires in northeastern B.C. as well as Alberta, right down to the parts of uh, B.C. Basically, all of this is smoke, and it's even a bit hazy out towards the south coast area. We're not expecting a change in this pattern for the next 24 hours at least. So right through the day, we're expecting smoky conditions to continue in the interior regions. The air quality 
health index in those areas, particularly the Thompson region, is a high risk to a very high risk level. So if you can stay indoors and air conditioning in those areas, it's recommended. Big drop for all areas as we head towards the end of the weekend in terms of cool weather. That's on the way. And it brings in either a chance of showers or a risk of thunderstorms. Tomorrow, we have a risk of thunderstorms across the central and southern portions of the province. Isolated amounts, and we're expecting still warm conditions. Those uh, That sort of drop in temperature that I was talking about there, it's more sort of uh, a risk of thunderstorms, but some con more consistent rain as well. Another hot one for our region tomorrow. We'll see a little bit of cloud cover, but overall dry conditions expected right through the long weekend. As I mentioned, with this drop in temperature, it's not a major change that we're going to see. It's more so just bringing in a few showers for our area. There's tonight's central windows weather window. This was a couple of days ago, I have to admit, before the smoke shifted in, but I thought I would enjoy or allow you to enjoy a little bit of blue sky. Clay Naslin sharing that photo with us. Back to you. Definitely. The blue sky and a breath of fresh air. Thanks, mm -hmm. Christy. Mm -hmm. Well, laughter will be bringing people of all backgrounds together in Vancouver on Friday night. That's right. The Asian Takeover Comedy Show at the Vogue will help celebrate Asian Heritage Month. And our Jennifer Palma sat down with host Julie Kim. And it's just normal aging, just compared to Asian people aging. I'm alienating myself from most of you. Julie Kim has been a comedian for more than a decade, paying attention to the world around her and telling it as she sees it. I have a white husband, sort of. He's a non-practicing Italian. Everyday life, just like anything can be funny and interesting if you look at it in a certain way uh, or if you're walking through Vancouver and get a second hand high. The talented performer appearing on TV including Just for Laughs and writing for Kim's Convenience. Now she's getting ready to host the second annual Asian Takeover Comedy Show. For this one show we have Asian comedians taking over the stage. That's all we mean. We don't mean anything bigger like we're taking over the world or Vancouver. The show takes place this Friday at the Vogue Theatre. It's helping to celebrate and mark Asian Heritage Month. One of the things I enjoy is when we have really diverse audiences just coming and laughing because comedy, laughter, the human connection really transcends race and uh, I think that's what's most important. I'm Asian by the way so quit looking at me like a math problem. Kim remarks on how the last 10 years more diverse and Asian comedians are coming up, becoming household names like Joe Coy and this weekend's headliner at the Asian Takeover Comedy Show, Robin Tran. Family, you've got to be extremely proud of your success. Uh... They're recently proud because I'm making money now, but... <laughs> Representation is, is a very, very important thing. And so I think it's important for us as promoters and and, you know, kind of essentially gatekeepers to, to make sure that we're affording opportunities for all the talented folks. Comedy, allowing people to poke fun at themselves, breaking down barriers and showcasing cultures, opening the eyes of many to just how similar we all are. My hope is that eventually we'll get to the point where, you know, we just have funny people on, right? And funny is funny and people are people. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Funny is funny. I like that line. It is. And... Speaking of funny, mm -hmm. Squire Barnes. I mean, now that puts pressure on you, but you are <laughs> often funny. I'm well, not saying I, you have to be right this second. I'm sorry, I don't have my material with me right now. Otherwise, <laughs> I do a bit for you. At some point, I'm sure you will make us laugh. some point, I will make you laugh, either on purpose or inadvertently. <laughs>
But as long as you laugh, that's the important exactly. thing. So much of your appeal is just the unscripted beauty of it. And speaking of, you don't have a script in the prompter. I have right no now. script in the prompter, but I'm going to talk anyway <laughs> because I know what's coming up. We're going to show you what's happening with the Vancouver Whitecaps. They are down in Dallas. That game is halfway done. The Whitecaps have actually scored, but then again, so is Dallas. We'll also talk to Logan Stankoven because later this month, Kamloops, the Blazers, are hosting the Memorial Cup, and he's the captain. Sweet. And I know what else is coming up. On the anniversary of Bruce Fairbairn's death, how the Vancouver producer found the sound that still defines one of rock's biggest bands. All right, Squires here now, uh, looking ahead to Whitecaps. Yes, well, they had their um, eight-game unbeaten streak ruin last Saturday in Portland. They probably played their worst game of the year there, lost 3-1. to one. So they really only had four days to get things right for tonight's game against Dallas. And there is Yohei Takayoka. Wearing the Telus shirt. What is the other goalkeeper doing? Just gives it to Pedro Vite. Here you go. I'm sorry I didn't put a bow on it or wrap this gift, but you can have it nonetheless. Martin's pace just gives that ball. I don't know what he's thinking. Too hard for his defender, and the Whitecaps get a 1-0 lead in the 23rd minute. But Vancouver's defense, eh, not so good here. 37th minute, Jesus Ferreira gets loose and beats Takioka to his left. Maybe you could say he should have had that, but the defense should have cut that off. They have just started the second half. It's still 1-1. Okay, so the BC Lions training camp is not the only thing that's going on up in Kamloops right now. The city is getting ready. The Blazers are getting ready to host the upcoming Memorial Cup. Now, the last time the Kamloops Blazers won the Mem Cup was 1995, and they were the hosts that year. That's when they were on an incredible run of winning three Memorial Cups in just four years. This year... They are led by a Kamloops boy, and one beside me, Logan Stankoven, who is with Jay. Well, it's been 10 days since the Kamloops Blazers were eliminated from the Western Hockey League Western Conference Finals by the Seattle Thunderbirds. Logan Stankoven, how have you guys spent the 10 days? Because it's going to be almost three weeks before you play your first game here at the Memorial Cup. Uh, we've taken some time just to rest the bodies and, uh, yeah, heal the bumps and bruises. Uh, yeah, now we've got back to practicing again. and. Um, I think we're all just excited to uh, put in the work here for the next few days and then uh, get right into tournament action. I know that you're a big hockey history buff, and I know how much wearing this jersey and this emblem on your chest means because you're a Kamloops boys. 31 years ago to the day today, the Kamloops Blazers won the first of three Memorial Cups over the span of four years. I can see you smiling. How much do you watch those videos, and how much do you want to replicate what you see from 30 years ago? Yeah, a lot. Uh, those videos kind of bring shivers to your, to your spine and obviously make you really motivated to, to go out there and have the opportunity to uh, yeah, win it for the city and the town and uh, the Blazer Nation. Now, the one thing you have been able to do is watch the NHL playoffs like the rest of us. As a Dallas Stars draft pick, how interested have you been and how close have you been following their playoff run? Yeah, I've watched basically every game. and um, Yeah, they're doing great things. Uh, close game seven there. It was nice to see them pull that one out. and. Yeah, I'll be uh, paying close attention to their next series against Vegas. Okay, so you've got a few weeks to go until you play your first game, May 26th, against the champion of the Quebec Major Junior League. 
Is this like a mini training camp you guys going on? Are we refocused? Yeah, basically. Um, we're not going to start from scratch or anything, but I think we can make a few tweaks here and there and um, just, you know, practice hard and fast. And, you know, if you practice uh, like you play in a game, then it's just automatic once, a, once the tournament starts. Well, as a fellow BC boy, although I was a little bit further up the highway growing up in Prince George, we wish you and the Camelot Blazers the best of luck. Thank you very much. All right, World Hockey Championships. There's brief Canuck, Tyler Toffoli. He is a former Canuck, but he wasn't here long enough. Uh, Mackenzie Weger, who's his uh, teammate in Calgary. Boy, he's had a good tournament so far. Scores a goal there just 19 seconds in to give Canada a 1-0 lead against Kazakhstan. Canada had a huge first period. Lawson Kraus has already scored to make it 1-0. Now he'll get another goal to make it 3-0. And then just before the end of the period, Joe Valeno as Sammy Blaze will steal the puck here with Canada now up 3-1. Puts it in front and Canada was basically on cruise control after that. They get a 5-1 win. Switzerland's up on Saturday. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. The riff that causes instant air guitar and how it all started right here in BC coming up next. He's been doing that all show. All show. <laughs> the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us when bc needs to connect bc turns to the source that brings us together global news all right jordan armstrong is here now for a look ahead to global news at 11 jordan sophie we have new information and interviews on today's mayhem in uptown new westminster we're hearing tonight from a city councillor who happened to witness the carjacking involving a taxi and police chase. We're also speaking to the taxi company. They say their driver was pulled out of his cab through the window by the suspect and then dragged a short distance. He's relatively okay, but quite the ordeal, quite the story to tell. And you'll hear it at 11. Sophie? All right, looking forward to it. Thank you, Jordan. All right, Squire is here now with the story of a famous guitar riff that, that, I, have, <laughs> that I've been air guitaring this whole show. And how it started right here in Vancouver in some ways. Well, and most importantly, um, the producer who basically suggested it to ACDC. We're talking about Bruce Fairburn, who on this day in 1999 passed away. It was a great loss to the music industry, and we thought we'd like to look back at his life and what he produced that we're still listening to. Bruce Fairburn was, and because of the records he produced, still is, one of Vancouver's biggest contributions to music. His records will, will play on forever. Mm -hmm. They will never go away. They're evergreens. The evergreens include Loverboy Records and Aerosmith Records, ACDC's Razor's Edge, and Slippery When Wet. When Bon Jovi reached out to Bruce Fairburn and agreed to come do a record in Vancouver at Little Mountain Sound. You must remember those early days to convince a major label band and major label to spend money in Vancouver. Where is that? You couldn't get here directly. You know, there wasn't even a direct flight to Vancouver. But they knew working with Bruce Fairburn and Bob Rock, who worked alongside him, would give Bon Jovi their biggest album ever. They were in their prime. They were young. They, were the, they had just finished writing great songs, you know, and it was perfect for Bruce and I. You know, they had complete confidence in what we did. So it was very easy album to record. I think it was six weeks to record and mix. On a separate track, Danny Q. And that was a hallmark of Bruce Fairburn Records. They didn't just sound great, 
he delivered on time and on budget, which is rare in the music world. I think if a record that I'm doing starts to take longer than three months, then I start to get worried. I think, well, somebody's messed up here. Early on in his music career, Bruce Fairburn was known as a trumpet player. Then he switched to producing, going from brass to gold. What he had is a great feel. He's a feel guy. How does that feel? Does that feel? I don't know if the notes are all right. I don't know if he's sharp, flat, or offbeat. But the feeling is fantastic, and he sold that. He was, he had great people skills. You know, he could get you know things out of musicians that didn't want to play certain things. You know, and he would you know, and then it would be their idea all of a sudden. One of the best examples of that is ACDC's Thunderstruck, the iconic guitar riff. That wasn't there when ACDC first played the song for Bruce Fairburn. Because uh, it didn't have an intro at that point, you know, I think they counted off and then away the drums went and Bruce had said, oh, he says, we need something to, to set this song up and, you know, get a little intro. And Ang says, oh, he says, I got this idea I was kind of working on. He says, okay. So I put the tape in record, Ang lit a cigarette, and diddly Bruce Fairburn passed away at the young age of only 49, but he was so prolific, that was still enough time to produce work that'll live forever. I just think, you know, the world lost, a, you know, a great producer, somebody who made great records that resonated with people all over the world. And so I just think Bruce's records, you know, I don't know. You just, it's hard to put a, it's like priceless, I think, of what he made. That's basically right. What he produced, mainly at Mushroom Studios, Little Mountain, and the Armory, all in Vancouver, will live forever. Evergreen rock riffs. Thanks very much for watching, everybody. You can play air guitar again. Oh, I am now that I'm off camera. Good night, all. <laughs>